Hello and welcome to episode 67 of Fish Across the Ponds, a Marlins UK podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Marlins UK Fan Fest, the post-season edition. I am joined by multiple Marlins fans from across the world. We're going to look back at our favorite moments from this 2020 regular season and also a look ahead to the postseason. Yes, the Marlins are in the postseason. First time in 17 years. And we're going to look ahead at what damage the Marlins can do in this, uh, this postseason. So, without further ado, here is today's lineup. And it's a long one, no doubt. So, a couple of UK names to get us kicking off. Jonathan Fernley. John, how are you? Hit that mute button. I'm doing very well as he quickly recovers from a muted microphone. <laughs> this is the new normal. This is what we're all dealing with. Um, great, to, great to see you again, buddy. Great to have you on. Um, just give yeah, me great just, to be here. just quickly, mate, in the 10th inning last night, give me your 1 to 10 of the stressometer and how you're feeling when, when Kinsler's pitching there. I thought we were going to win it in the 11th. I thought they were going to get one of them round, and I thought we'd then go and win it in the 11th. But it was Jose's day. It was always going to be the day the Marlins made it. I think I was probably the most calm out of anybody, judging by the Twitter feed. It, it, it just felt like it had to be. And uh, once, we'd, once we got the run in the 10th, I thought we've kept ourselves alive for at least one more inning. And I must say the double play ball was a relief. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure Rowas had touched second, first of all, but uh, I never thought we'd lose it. Good man. Confident man. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Okay, awesome. Uh, Lee Dobbs is also in the house, so one of the regular UK fish across the pond goats. Lee Dobbs, how are we? You're right. Yeah, I'm good. All good. Uh, good man. Great to have you on, mate. Looking forward to looking forward to this one. It's nice to see some, yeah. uh, some additional things as well. Um, Brandon Kinsler, Whew. the boy can absolutely handle the pressure, right? Yeah, as, as you say, plums he's got. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute plums from Kinsler. No doubt, huge plums. Mm, what I've sorry. realized from hearing the players talk uh, the last couple of days is how much of an influence Kinsler is in the locker room, actually. Um, he's seemingly, and, and hearing him post-game last night, he just seems like a top dude, a real motivational character. So... It's great to see and great to hear his personality come out, but oh boy, that, that guy can pitch in some jams. I'm not convinced if we'd have needed it tonight, if Kinsler would have been available either. So, you know, he's pretty much pitched his arm off, I think, there the last two yeah. days. So awesome. Sean Barrett, also from the UK side. Sean, how are we and how did you celebrate last night? Uh, yeah, I am as good as can be. Um, I mean, what what a season. Celebrating, yeah, a little bit too much today. Mm-hmm. But I've my first games as a Marlin fan were back in 2003 during the World Series. Picked the Marlins because you can't pick the Yankees. And 17 years later, finally, we're back in the playoffs. If that doesn't deserve celebrations, then what else does? Good man. What's been the drink of choice, just out of interest? Um, anything by Brewdog. Oh, good. Well, they have they have, <laughs> multi, they have multiple IPAs and lagers. Indeed. And- Absolutely. Good man. Well, great to have you on for this one. Um, we're going to go 
we're going to go to Spain. We're going to go to Spain next. Um, also, well, it's his second appearance on Fish Across the Pond. Vicente, how are we? I'm really good. That's an amazing experience to be Marlins fan right now. Amazing. Absolutely. What's been what's been the highlight moment for you this year? I mean, there's a lot to pick from, but if I if I have to pick one moment, I think it's the last uh, match that we play and um, before the all pandemic, the all brought of pandemic in the team versus Phillies because yep. in, in this game. We can we can see how this this team is is so great and is fighting at, is still the last pitch and that match was was amazing. Completely agree, Vincent. Me and you, this is why we get on so well. Me and you completely aligned on that that game, that first weekend, that Sunday when the COVID situation was was getting out of hand quickly for the Marlins. Oh boy, it was it was a huge win. Season-defining, actually, in many ways. But, Vicente, great to have you on. I'll come back to you shortly. We're going to go across the pond. Actually, across the pond. Dylan. Dylan's in the house. How are we, buddy? I am doing fantastic. I, I bet. Um, listen, a quick intro question for you. Ooh, and there's many I could ask you, but I'm going to go for your favorite current Marlins player. Favorite current Marlins player? It has to be Brian Anderson. It has to be Brian Anderson. And a quick follow-up, um, just on BA specifically, that game few wives well, last week, I think, three home runs for BA. When are they going to hashtag pay BA? It better be soon. It better be soon. <laughs> it, it better had be soon is, is correct on that one. We need, we need to see BA paid. Um, perfect timing, actually, I would say. Um, just on, on that matter, special guest dropping in, Jason Latimer from, from the Marlins. Peter, what's up, dog? Hey, Jason, how are we? Doing okay, man. Doing all right. I... <laughs> just in to say hey real quick to you. Uh, it's great to have you on. Um, Jason, perhaps I, I'm not 100% sure of your exact job title. I'm going to go VP Communications and Media, but maybe yeah, not. It's close enough. It's close enough. Broadcasting, yep. Good man. And, and for those that, that don't know, I guess Jason is the man that's, that's piecing together all of these Zoom calls, all the players, everything going on. It's, it's been a busy few months, I guess, Jason, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a different, you know, it's a different world and we're just trying to adapt and overcome as we can. Uh, but we got a good group here and a good team. Uh, so we, you know, we try to make it happen and give everybody as much access as possible. Well, absolutely. I can testify to that. Um, just a quick uh, follow-up for you on this one. Favorite game of the season for you? If you oh, God. Oh, it's on the spot, Peter. Um, this is how I roll. Wow. You know, probably the first game back, I think, in Baltimore when we, you know, we had that interruption to the season. And um, let me take this off. Right here. The, the, first, the very first game back, um, it was just it, we didn't really know what to expect. And the team came out. And, you know, we had two or three people, I think, pitching the game that nobody had met before the game even started. Um, and I, I don't know, it was just an interesting atmosphere and, and a turning point, I think. How, how would you kind of, if you could sum this season up so far, and it hasn't finished yet, but if you could Yeah, sum, yeah. How would you interesting. Sum? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's been very interesting. Uh, it's, been, it's been an experience, I think, that all of us 
that have kind of been along for the ride here. Of, um, it's, it's definitely, it's different than any other season. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, it's been a whirlwind, no doubt. Um, but Jason, great to have you on. Um, yeah, what, what's going on? Who's, who's here on the, on the, on the call with you here? What's happening? Yeah. So we're, we're, we're live, we're recording. So, okay, uh, good. but there's maybe 10, 12 of us here. Some Good. UK, some US. Uh, we're kind of just going around on intros. So, um, how long can you sit in for? You sit in for a few minutes. I just want, yeah, I just wanted to say, hey, real quick, and you guys do your thing. I just wanted to tell everybody I appreciate everybody's support. Um, you know, we we see you guys. You know, I think you're all very active on social media. A lot of you, um, and we really just we appreciate everything that you guys do. And you know, tell your friends, everybody, uh, you know, how great this organization is and, and how much fun they are to, to hang out with in a social manner right now. Jason, you're the man, bro. Congratulations. It's Alex, by the way. Congratulations, man. All right, Alex. Thanks, buddy. Exactly. I echo that as well, Jason. It's been, it's been awesome to be part of. And, um, you know, I know everyone here on this call appreciates what you what you piece together, really, with, with everything in the background and all the access we get and all the, the coverage we've had. It's been, it's been incredible in such difficult times when you, you know, you're dealing with masks and zoom calls. Yeah. And, and I everything. think it makes it easier though. Right. I think the zooms almost make it easier because you can get, you know, it's, it's not like you have a limited amount of space in a locker room here. You've got infinite internet bandwidth. So yeah. uh, I think that actually helps a little bit. And I, you know, I applaud you, Peter, for, you know, taking your project and, you know, taking it the extra mile. And I think you, you know, the folks that are here, supporting you um can attest to that so one one final one before i let you go um yeah, one, one of the most iconic moments for me this year was post game not sure what game it was but there was there was jesus aguilar and there was jonathan vr pulling off some serious dance moves in the locker room yeah <laughs> thinking about it could have been um how was it last night in the in the locker room were there some similar dance moves going on i yeah i think there's some hidden tapes that <laughs> probably won't make the light of day but i think some of them made it out just looking through some of the guys uh instagram stories and and what they posted online so um you know it's a good group of guys i think that you know they, they use the word family if you hear them talk a lot and I, I really think that they believe that and um that they represent that at the ballpark every day awesome well listen um thanks so much for, for hopping on to this one um it'll be it'll be going live in the next uh hour or so be published so be sure right, to and hear the full good. clip but good. appreciate the time appreciate the access and and all the coverage this year it's been it's been awesome all right i appreciate you guys thanks for everything and go marlins Absolutely. awesome well that was that was great to have jason latimer dropping on there mid-call just as i planned it of course um <laughs> uh where, where were we? Where were we? I think we were Michelle coming to Michelle and Mark actually coming to you guys next. Um, quick. Is Dylan done? Did Dylan finish? I don't know. Maybe you interrupted him and I know that he's got to go. You good? You good? He's good. So, so I think the most exciting game for me was actually last night. Mm. Um, for, first of all, Aguilar's catch. I mean, I've seen a lot of baseball in my life. That was like ninja unbelievable catch. I have never seen anything like that ever. Um, but I, um, I've been a Marlin fan since the inaugural season. Um, I raised my kids in South Florida. We were all there at the beginning. My kids were with me in the 97 World Series when they were in high school. And, but we are from 
originally our family is from New York. So we have a whole family of Yankee fans. Mm -hmm. And I was like so glad last night to be able to repeat the 2003 um, takedown of my Yankee family by winning that game 4-3 the way that we, we won it. And I just, I, I was so excited. I haven't been that excited in a really long time. And I was actually the most excited because I know for many of you, I'm being in the Marlin chat for the last two years, that many of you have never had this experience of going to the postseason. And I'm really excited that you all will get to have that now. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride. We'll we'll get into it in a sec in terms of how we see the the the, the playoffs and the postseason shaping up for us. Um, just just a quick one for you though. Who is the most underrated Marlin, in your opinion? Who's most underrated? So, I, I, you know, I think Miguel Rojas is the most under... I know that, you know, you see the kids and everybody knows him, but this is a guy who's been around for a long time. And he started out basically like as a utility player. And every time he gets up and every time he's just so... Um, inspirational and so hardworking and he shows that if you really put in the work even though you might not be like the superstar guy that came out first in the draft you can make it as just the leader of your team and I, I, I just love him yeah well big fan of Miggy of course um, as you can see uh, by this uh, by this t-shirt that I'm currently wearing so yeah absolutely awesome well, great to have you along Michelle and, and, and Mark as well uh, to this one. Come back to you shortly. We're going to get into the postseason in particular and, and how we see that shaking up. Um, Dylan, I'm just going to go back to you quickly because, uh, yeah, Jason kind of dropped in uh, mid-flow. Mid uh, we were talking about, I think, favorite current player, BA, the three-home run game. But just to kind of follow up as well, um, which, which player has surprised you the most this year? Surprised me the most? I, I mean... I would say Lewis Brinson, but I feel like I always had that hope for him and I had that feeling that he would always turn it on. I think most surprising for me is John Birdie. John Birdie has provided just this extra life, I feel like, and he's been clutch. He's been big in certain situations, and he's also a very underrated player as well because not many people know his name. I feel like nationally, basically nobody knows who John Birdie is, but he has been a huge factor for this team. I mean, thinking about JB in particular, one of the, again, another iconic moment, that steal for home. I mean, Planet of the Apes style on all fours. I mean, what a, what a moment that was. And I mean, that was probably the first time that many people had ever heard of John Birdie outside of Marlins fans, in my opinion, because that was, you know, blown up like on more nationally. But yeah, great call on, on, on JB too. Um, and, you know, great to have him back. I mean, he, he had that finger injury with the with the bunt a few weeks back and went on the IL, but he's back just in time. A um, couple of hits, I think, tonight, and maybe a walk on a stolen base probably for JB. So awesome, um, great. We'll we'll sit tight there, Dylan, if you can. Uh, coming next to Eddie. I want to say, Eddie, how are we? Hi, thanks for having me, Peter. Oh, absolutely, e Eddie. Where where are you based in the world? Uh, I'm, I live in Coral Springs, Florida, so I live about maybe 45 minutes away from Miami. Good so I live in like the, yeah, I live in the Broward area. Great. Well, listen, great to have you on. Um, we've been part of this, uh, yeah, as Michelle mentioned, we've been part of this like Marlins group 
chat that's been going on and blows up every day um, in, in very in like positive and negative um, in many times, but it's great to meet you. Um, quick one for you to kind of get things going. What was the expectations from, for you this year for the Marlins? You know, what were you thinking they were going to do this year going into the 60 game sprint? Honestly, exactly how they played. I expected a competitive team to, you know, maybe, maybe they wouldn't make the playoffs. Maybe they would, but at least like they would go out there and try to win every single day. And we see the results of that. They're at the moment, one game above 500, maybe they finished 500, but considering last season, they lost almost 105 games. Mm -hmm. That's a huge jump, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, great to hear you were that confident. I, I mean, I was that confident too. I, <laughs> I, knew, I knew the boys were going to get it done. I, well, I knew we had the ability to play 500 ball, give or take. You know, I knew that we had that opportunity. Um, it was just whether that was going to be enough. But I think you know, the Phillies have perhaps underperformed the Mets. And I mean, it's a tough division, right? So, you know, it's, uh, you just, you don't quite know if, if 500 would be enough, but this year it's good for second place. So happy days for us. Um, how did you celebrate last night? Was it, was it wild scenes or just waiting to go and buy a car? I think, is that the plan? Uh, well, the car um, actually came out of left field this morning. So that was fun. Uh, <laughs> hangover hangover so, car. <laughs> yeah. I actually celebrated by buying that postseason shirt, which was uh, Respect Miami. As soon as I saw that, I was like, that's, that's an incredible shirt. I need to buy that. Unfortunately, they're going to make me wait, wait 17 days in, in honor of the 17 years we waited to get back into the postseason. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. I mean, okay, e-commerce is good, but logistics, not so good, seemingly. Not so good. So. Good. Well, um, great to have you on. We're going to, like I said, we're going to dive into postseason. Just keep, we're going to wrap up a couple more guys to introduce. We have, oh, our man Alex Carver kept you waiting there, Alex, from, uh, well, Fish on the Farm um, as well. How are we, buddy? Doing great, B. How you doing, man? Awesome, buddy. Awesome. Listen, you've been covering the Marlins, particularly the minor leaguers, for many years be right it's the only place i can go for you buddy of the guys of the minor leaguers um that perhaps you were expecting to see this year who's really stood out for you mate who has stepped up big time for this this marlins team this year well you know the obvious answer is six toe right uh you know the guy comes in you know obviously he's a top prospect you know you expect him to do big things but did you expect him to do big things immediately uh, that's, I think, what sets Sixto apart from the rest of the prospect pool. Well, most of the rest of the prospect pool, uh, you know, you got guys that come up, you know, they go, they come back, you know, they go come up and go back a couple times. Uh, but this guy, he came out right out of the gate. Uh, you know, he's taken on good teams, the Phillies, the Rays, um, you know, teams like that. And he's throwing up 10 strikeouts and throwing hundred miles an hour. So, you know, that's the obvious one for me. Um, you know, you talk about big moments and defining moments that you're talking about, Pete, the big one for me. And my favorite game, I will say, was that second start by Sixto where he goes out against Tampa, um, goes up against that team and hangs out 10 strikeouts with a changeup and the fastball, throwing in the slider. So, yeah, you know, that, that was a really defining point for me, for him, is showing that he's ready to be here and he's ready to take that step now. And he probably was ready to take that step for a little while that you just needed to build the arm back up. So that for me was really huge. Um, another guy I want to throw in there is maybe, as you said, Pete, a guy that you didn't expect, Trevor Rogers. 
Um, you know, he's a first round pick, missed an entire year with a shoulder injury and surgery. Um, and now he comes up and he's throwing quality innings and he's got three, four good pitches. Um, I think that's a guy who can stick around in rotation, even in the future as a four to five uh, starter. So yeah, those two guys. Awesome. I mean, this is, for me, this is the beauty of the Marlins at the moment. The, the arms, the farm is absolutely stacked full of arms. It is just stud after stud after stud. That's the most exciting thing. We haven't even seen, I mean, all the buzz. Alex, I think you were probably buzzing it too. The buzz for Eddie Cabrera is huge. We haven't even seen Eddie. So, is there more? Like, could we see Eddie in this post roster, perhaps? Yeah, you know, Cabrera uh, it's cool to see him come up and join the attack. You know, I haven't seen him yet. Going to get in a couple innings out of the pen or something. And I don't know, I don't know if they're going to throw him in in the postseason for his debut, but that would be something to see as well. Um, anyways, uh, there's there's guys that think that this guy, and I just talked about Sixto, and you guys have all seen him. There's guys that think, and prospect analyzers and stuff like that, and talent evaluators, that think that Edward Cabrera is even better than Sixto Sanchez. So, you know, wh whichever that way goes, these are good problems to have. Like, <laughs> you go out and see Sixto Sanchez, and now you have a guy that could even be better right now. I'm here for it. Me too. I'm here. I'm all here for that. Don't you worry. Um, that would be be insane. Awesome. Well, sit tight, Alex. It sounds like you're on the move. So, sit tight, and we'll we'll come back to you shortly. Um, the final guy to introduce, uh, hopefully you can hear us, uh, Rasek? Yeah, Rasek. Hey, buddy. How are we? Hey, how are you? I'm, hey. I'm doing great. Where, where in the world are you based? I am in Mexico City. Oh, amazing. Great to have you on. Um, that's the, I think, the first Mexican on this, uh, this podcast anyway. So are you, are you originally from Mexico? Yeah. I was born awesome. and raised in Mexico City. Sometimes I travel a lot to uh, Washington, D.C. For, for work. But right. I am originally uh, from Mexico City, and I am here right now. Incredible. I mean, this is a question that gets asked to me all the time. UK, how are you a Marlins fan? Mexico, Mexico City, how are you a Marlins fan? Yeah, well, when I was a kid, my, my father, I mean... He, he showed me baseball, basically, because in Mexico, soccer is like the main sport. And it was exactly in 1997, the World Series, uh, Marlins against uh, Cleveland. So um, I watched the World Series in, in, in like international TV. And at that point, I, like, I fell in love with the Marlins team. And uh, since then, I've been uh, following the team. Amazing. Awesome. So... For this season, who who's been the MVP? Who's been the regular season MVP for this year's this year's Marlins team? I mean, there's so many to pick from. Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, Miguel Rojas. Uh, but but I, I I also want to say that the last game of um, Aguilar was amazing. Uh, as uh, I think it was Michelle that who mentioned. That amazing and unexpected catch was was like incredible, and then he was the one like who uh, pushed the the, the 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 four and the, the victory for the Marlins. So I think um, if you see the entire season, probably Miguel Rojas, but was what uh, Aguilar done yesterday was amazing. Agreed. I, Aggie for me, 
not only just on the field, but off the field, you can sense just how big he's been a part of that vibe, the culture. We've, we've had some games where we've been absolutely destroyed. There's, there's just no getting away from it. We've been destroyed in some games, but I get the sense it's like an Aguilar that can just, is always a positive dude and will help the guys to bounce back quickly. I feel like that's the, the, the hidden part that you don't see um, and the value of like a Jesus Aguilar. But you're right. You and Michelle have, have mentioned it. He came out like a ninja on that play. <laughs> where, where did he come from? I was I was making fun of him for like days in the chat. This guy's fat. He needs to go on the keto diet. And after that catch, I said, I will never make fun of him again. That was amazing. In, insane play. Uh, he was on the, the, the pregame call today, actually, uh, Aguilar. And, and, and he was asked about that. And I think he said he's watched it a hundred times already was I think what he said. So, I mean, he, I think he surprised himself. <laughs> awesome play. We've watched that play from every, Mark and I have watched that play from every angle that was shown. It was extraordinary. Yeah, exactly. You know, to, we know Alfaro, right? We know, we know Georgie's got some wheels behind, behind the dish, but for him to, to beat Georgie into it. And uh, you know, that says a lot. So, Right, guys, that's the intros. Um, firstly, great to have everyone on. What we're going to focus in on now for the rest of it, guys, we've kind of like pieced together some bits of favorite moments and, and stuff for the season. We're going to look ahead. The Marlins are in the playoffs. First time in 17 years. Whew, it's going to be absolutely emotional. So we, we're going to go in with a three-game wildcard series so this whole new format, we're going to be probably the sixth seed and we're, we're likely to be playing the Cubs. I think that's the way things are going to shape up. So it's going to be us versus the Cubs. And in our, in our bottom end of the bracket, the Reds and the Bravos, which makes it intriguing if, uh, if both of the NL East guys get through. So that could be very interesting. Right, Jonathan, we're going into game one. It's a uh, first playoff game in many, many years. Who is on the mound for the Marlins to start that game? Well, we should have the flexibility that it can be uh, um, any one of Pablo, Sandy, or Sixto. Um, Sandy's the ace, he's the opening day starter. And when the pressure was on last night, he delivered it. So I'd like to see him um, getting the start. Whether they'll move things around, because I think it would be naturally um, more likely to be Sixto's scheduled start. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll either be, uh, most likely be him, but I would give the ball to Sandy if, uh, if I had that power. Yeah, Sandy for you. Lee Dobbs, what about you, mate, for the starter in particular? Yeah, for the starter, it's like saying, I would actually give it to Pablo, I think. I think he's, I mean, with the off day on a Monday, you know, he's going to have his, have his usual rest as well. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, you can't really go wrong with Pablo, Sandy, you know, or Sixto. But given Sixto's, you know, struggles the last two starts, I, I don't want to see him come in and then get beat around and now after the sort of three, three innings, then the pen pen is going to be ruined, you know, for like the next, for like the other games. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a tough, tough one to decide, but I'd go with, with Pablo. Interesting. I, I mean... The three names, I guess, are interchangeable. I, I think I'm leaning with 
with with Jonathan on if if you can make Sandy go on game one for me it feels right. You I mean he was the chosen opening day starter? For me, it's the most likely that he goes longest. I think in in that of all of the the starters, um, Pablo could do, Sixto could do, but I think probability wise, Sandy is the one who's most likely to give you the longest start. Um, Sean, game one. Don't know the times yet. None of the times have been announced. This is the one thing we're waiting for. We're obviously going to be um, we're going to be in Chicago for this game, so I think time zone wise, it's an hour. They're central time, so an extra hour for for us. How are you going to be watching this game? And uh, is there going to be alcohol involved? I think you know, first game in seventeen years playoffs. I think I want to go into it clear. This is, this is, yeah, you've waited so long for this. I know you and a few other the guys, you, you've waited, you know, you've been four or five years fans. But for us, us guys that have been here for the long haul, we, I want to savour every single second of this. Uh, absolutely. So are you booking the week off work? I mean, it's three games in three days, probably at not great times for us um, viewing-wise. So are you going to be booked I off? mean, it's difficult because... You, you want to watch it all, so you can't book the whole month off. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. So I'll give you an example of what I try to do. So last night, I'm in bed by 8 p.m. I'm up for game start. I watch the game, bed by 3 a.m., up at 7 for work. It's a hardship, but you do what you got to do. It's worth it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, awesome. So we've got the starters lined up. We know how we're watching the game. Actually, Vicent, come to you, buddy. You know, time zone-wise, it's even trickier. You're an hour further ahead of us, and probably we're moving backwards. So it's probably going to be a seven- or eight-hour difference for you. I mean, it's going to be tough to watch live, right? Yeah. I, I Normally, I watch the game in the next day here in Spain. Yeah. I try to know, to know, to not know anything. Yeah. Sometimes it's difficult, but but I try, I try to. Yeah. Uh, normally, and and now with with working and all this is is more is more hard, but but I try to to see every pitch that I that I I can. Yeah. If the Marlins are gonna go far in the playoffs, if they're going to get through the wild card and go, go beyond that, who, who has to perform? Who has to play well for us to get there? Uh, all, Everyone. All, all, all team, everyone, because the, I think that, that one issue that they have is when, when somebody hits a couple of, of hits in the game, all of the lineup hits. And when no, there's no way to hit any ball, any 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 other also non-hit, and we try to 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 equilibrate the defense and offense, the and and uh, and help the 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 very good pitching that we have, because I, I think that is the the base that this team is. I just go along the, the this season and try to do the the, the, the best in every in every moment. 
in three game series is is more difficult uh, but uh, all in all in in this world cup because it's it's go home or 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 next or next one exactly why why not us right <laughs> um michelle are the marlins going to get through this wild card three games probably the so cup. i think they can but i think the key to it is for the for ba to lead off the hitting and and to inspire like a hitting rally you know the games that we you know, we the games that we have lost we've like the bats have been so cold and it would be like the night before they'd score you know 15 runs and then we'd be cold we need to have in order for us to win and get through the first three games we have to have consistent batting and 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 inspired batting and i think ba if he is in, if he is inspired he will inspire everybody else to keep going yeah what about what about this platoon they got going on in in right field you know joyce or or brinson i guess you know righty lefty you know how are you enjoying that makeup in right field you know we've had a season worth of Lou, yes, Lou, no, you, less. You know, I, I love the guy. I really hope he's he's there. I hope he's there. You know, he. I, I think he's it. Joyce. Uncertain. <laughs> well, I guess I'm just a Lou. I'm a Lou. I'm a I'm a Lou fan. Uh, you're on the right podcast then. Because... Dylan. Well, well, actually. Uh, Dylan, I'm not going to talk about right field, but just just quickly to you, just try and uh, let's have a confidence level on the bullpen. We'll go bullpens with this one. You cannot talk to me about the bullpen. No, exactly. I knew that. I knew I'm, that. I'm... So I'm actually a pretty big fan of our bullpen. I think we've got a solid five guys that we can lean on pretty uh, strongly. You've got Boxberger. You have Hoyt. You have uh, what's about, you have Kinsler, you have Gimme Garcia, you have Richard Blyer. I think all of those guys are really solid options that if you can throw in, you can trust. All of those guys give me hope. If you have to use up them and you have to go a little bit deeper, not so much. But those five guys, they, I have confidence in them. Who, I mean, of those guys, two of them in particular didn't start the season as Marlins, which Hoyt and Blyer, which of those two, I guess, has made the biggest impact? I think I would say James Hoyt. He went, I think it was 18 straight games or 18 straight innings without giving up a run. He's been a little bit shaky in his last two outings, but he went 18 straight without giving up a run. If he could keep that up and do that in the postseason, we'd be phenomenal. I've loved, I've loved the broadcast kind of back and forth on the thread. Paul Severino is desperate to find James Hoyt a nickname, seemingly. You know, he's desperate to get this nickname for him. Him and Todd Hollinsworth, the first time they started talking about this, Holly throws out there, you know, he's the, I don't know, he's the mop, he said. <laughs> and then he realized that's probably not, you know, the best uh, description for someone or a nickname that anyone would want. So it's been funny hearing the guys trying to come up with a, a, a nickname and seemingly they've landed on the cleaner that seems to be the one for Hoyt so I don't know <laughs> if that one will stick but um, 
you know, it's good. I mean, I've said before to the guys on, on, on the podcast before, this bullpen is it's the best bullpen I've seen since I've been a fan in the last four or five years. You know, for me, there's just dependable guys at the back end. Those five you've mentioned, I'm comfortable with them. And you can't forget as well, you know, Nick Vincent at times, okay, he's had a bit of a rough stretch this week, but when we didn't have anyone, Nick Vincent became the guy and, and rolled some huge double plays and, and, you know, got some saves in, you know, earlier in the season when the COVID situation was, was happening. So, okay. Bullpen confidence is high. I would say, it, well, if, if we have a say, if we have a lead, I think this kind of ties it together is what Michelle says. If the bats are going okay, we're scoring runs. The starters, based on what the other guys are saying, are strong, and the bullpen can protect. I think that's that's the the path to, to glory, which I think sounds obvious in many ways, doesn't it? Um, yeah, Jonathan, what, what have you got, buddy? Well, the difference that we'll have compared to the regular season is if our starter has a bad outing in, in game one, you know, we give up three runs in the first innings, give up a couple in the second. We tend to just think, ah, we'll just write this one off. We'll use all the arms we don't like out of the bullpen and we'll just make sure we win tomorrow. But if Sandy gives up three runs in the first in, so you can't stack a lineup full of lefties in, and if that doesn't work, they'll bring Urania in. So we've got the long option there so that by the time we get through to the later innings, the bullpen arms haven't been used yet because we've been using starter arms. So I think we'll benefit from having to be able to put two from the rotation into the long relief, which we haven't done all season. We've not had reliable long relief. Um, and we've just lost a lot of lopsided games because of it. I yeah. think it'll really. Do, do you think that's why they? Do you think that's why they might have pulled Trevor early today? That maybe they want to use him as a hundred percent. I'm, I'm sure Arrani will only go three or four tomorrow as well. Yeah, that was that was in the in the post game uh, straight after. That was the reason. Effectively, Trevor and Arrani will work from the pen for the three game wild card. Mm. Um, when they when they go to five game, um, it is five game, right? In the in the next series, or is it? Yes, it is five. Yeah. Five. So um, they'll go back to the the regular five, and actually leads nicely to the next question. Um, Eddie, let me just put this on you now, buddy. Um, All right. We get through the wild card. We're through the wild card. Uh-huh. Playing the Braves or the Reds. In the what's that's going to be the divisional series, right? So it's 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 the Bravos or the Reds. Game five, it's on the line. Jose Arrania starts. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Is would you have in a five-game series? Do you have Arrania starting any of them games, or are you just going to cycle back around to Sandy or? Six to whatever in that crunch game, right? You keep you. I believe you should keep it to four man. So you would bring Trevor back into the rotation if necessary, and you just kind of work with Sandy, Pablo, and Six though for like wh- whoever's turn is to come up. I'd probably if if Sandy can pitch game five, he should pitch game five. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, Rasek, I'll I'll come to you following up. Sixto Sanchez, um, as Alex mentioned, what a stud. He came up and lit, lit it up, like absolutely, like I'd never seen anything like it, if I'm honest. Um, 
couple of interesting starts the last two. Concerned about Sixto? Um, yes. I mean, for sure, I don't have the confidence that I had like one week ago. Um, but I think he, he, he has the potential to do very well. I, I, I mean, I'm thinking uh, Sandy, Pablo, and for the third game, um, Sixto. And I think uh, he has the support of the team and uh, he, he will be pretty good. And as you already mentioned, uh, the, the bullpen opens opportunity to Rogers or, or, or even Ureña to go and, and help him. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not seeing like six to like going uh, through all the game, but I, I am sure she, uh, he can do like three or four really well. I mean, very good innings. Yeah. Sixto, you know, I, I just get the sense that, I don't know, he's been pitching a little bit cautiously, as my description. I think he's not been full guns blazing the last two starts, and I don't know why. I don't know if there's anything behind that, but I'm intrigued. But if Sixto, I mean, Pablo had a couple of rough games too, right? And then it's bounced back, and it's just the way it goes with the starters. You know, you have a couple of rough ones. Pablo comes back. Sandy got beat up by the the Rays at one point. He's bounced back. For me, I'd have you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what Sixto can do in the playoffs. That's what I'm really excited about. If it comes down to game three, if they do go Sandy, Pablo, and then it is on the line, and you've got Sixto going, that will be insane, absolutely insane. Um, go on, Eddie. You got so, you you got a follow up? Yeah, I just wanted to add. Uh, definitely like those three guys, they had a lot more like good to great starts than they did bad starts. Like, yeah. and they bounced back from a lot of their bad starts in big ways, especially Pablo and Sandy. Like, I think their last three starts, Pablo gave up like less than two run, two earned runs, and same with Sandy. Like, their last three starts combined. There you go. You know, that's what oh. you want to see, right? I mean, all of the media stuff coming out from Sandy was was incredible. Um, not just this week, but equally, I think, the previous week um, for the Nats start, he was just, for me, the confidence was just oozing. Sandy, to me, you could see last night, he was pissed off that he was taking out that game. He was fuming. Um, you know, he, what did he go, 90, 98 pitches or something? And I think he wanted another complete game. That's what I felt about Sandy last night. He wanted the opportunity to give it the full complete game. He at least deserved to finish the inning and see if he could get the win. I mean, that just sucked. Was, yeah. Okay, we won. We exactly. won. I'm not. I'm not second guessing Mattingly, and neither did he. But man, he was pissed. He, he was. was pissed. Pissed. He was. He was fuming. He was not happy with that. He was sat in the in the dugout. You know, there was probably a few words said. Let's say, but um, okay. So I think. Really, the pitching side for me, this is the strength. This is the strength of the Marlins. Alex, if you're still there and you can still hear us, buddy, I know you're on the move. Um, the lineup, from a lineup perspective and an offense perspective, um, how how do you see this shaping up for the Marlins? You know, who's who's got to get hot quick to to make it happen? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, Pete, is you know you're going to a three game stretch like that. No mistakes, right? Everybody's got to be good now. You know, there can't be a guy who takes a game off. So, you know, 
you look at that and you look at that side of things um, and you look at the guys and how they performed this year, there's been guys that have been steady. There's been guys that have been, you know, off and on. And then there's been guys that have just stayed hot all year. I think in the playoffs, you're going to see the guys that have stayed hot. Anderson, uh, you know, uh, even guys like Rojas who's had an awesome year doing everything he's been asked of and leading the club. Uh, you know, guys that you mentioned, uh, like uh, we talked about him a million times. This is a guy for me. I think he's going to be a key if the Marlins are going to make it really far. It's Lewis Brinson. I think Lewis Brinson has shown this year what simplification in hitting mechanics can do for a baseball player. This guy's been through the ringer of what? Three different hitting coaches, even four if you count, you know, his past team, five if you count his draft team. You know, he's heard so many different opinions about, no, this is the way to hit. This is the way you should adjust. No, you should do it this way. And this year, I really think that he has simplified it, dumbed it down to an exact science that he's looking for the ball first before he starts his swing. That's why I think you see the biggest change in Lewis Brinson. That's why I think he's seeing the ball better. He's making better contact. He's going the opposite way, even when pitches are on the inside of his hands. Stuff like that for Lewis Brinson is massive. So a guy that you want to see get hot and stay hot quickly while he's undergoing this newest mechanical change is Lewis Brinson. I think if Lewis Brinson gets hot and stays hot, it's a guy who fills a big hole in the Marlins lineup. I think you were talking about a platoon. If he gets hot, I think you could see him in there against both sides. I definitely think that Don Mattingly is going to play the hot hand. Um, that's what you have to do. In a three-game set, set like this, you go with who's hot, period. You know, if some if a guy is not performing, I take him out in the middle of innings. If a guy's not performing for half the game, you're down a run, take out Matt Joyce and put in Lewis Brinson. It's who's hot right now, who can stay hot, who's going to perform. For me, the biggest guy is Lewis Brinson. I love it. I mean, this is 2020 Marlins baseball right there. Who is the key player for the Marlins? Lewis Brinson is what I'm hearing. I mean, this is this is insane, but, but so beautiful at the same time. Um, so let's go back around one more time, then we'll wrap it up. Jonathan, just want to get your vibe on a couple of other offensive dudes. Um, firstly, Corey Dickerson leading off. What seemingly is we've landed on is this Corey Dickerson Starling Marte one-two punch. So, a, what do you think about Corey in that in that leadoff spot? Secondly, how big of a stud is Starling Marte? I like Corey in the leadoff spot, providing he's doing his long work the count at bats. Don't like swing at the first pitch, Corey Dickerson leading off. Show Stanley Marte and all the rest of the guys behind him just what stuff the starters got that day. That's a huge advantage for us. And I think that's, you know, we talk about the veteran presence of Aguiar earlier and, you know, the, the leadership of Rojas. I think Dickerson has, has set the standard in terms of what a good at-bat is for the teams this season. And we've seen other players respond to it. How often has the hitter gone down 0-2 and then fought back to draw a walk or get a big two-out base hit. And I think Dickerson's played a big part in that. He's not your traditional speedy leadoff hitter, but I don't mind him in that role. Um, Amate, for me, he's the one that's got to have a big series because yeah. if he's getting on, then the power that comes behind him, or if he's driving himself in, hitting dingers, then that's the key. But if the first inning is three up, three down, that's not, not going to work in the playoffs. We've, we've got to get those, those beginnings going. 
and we've got to get it going right away. So those top two have, have got to set the tone. I quite like them as a one-two punch. I was on the case earlier in the season about John Bertie not hitting second. Love John Bertie, just don't want him hitting second. And they put him back in at second today. And I was going to tweet about it and thought, I cannot complain about the Marlins the day after we've clinched a postseason <laughs> spot. No, so I said nothing. I left off it. Um, but yeah, as a one-two punch, and then whichever order you want to put, Aguiar, Anderson, Joyce, whoever else is going to be lurking three, four, and five, I'm not too fussed, but I, I don't mind that one-two punch up top. Yeah. Lee Dobbs, Cooper Loop. He, I mean... For me, Cooper Loop has been the biggest shot in the arm this this lineup's had, you know, coming back. A, how big a moment was that for him last night? I mean, you know, back into New York, three-run, oppo with the boppo in the first <laughs> inning, get it rolling. Huge, huge moment for Cooper Loop. It was, it was incredible, mate. So last night, just that moment. But secondly, for me, Cooper Loop is a big, big part of what this Marlins offense is right now. Yeah, and I mean, I just I've seen some people say that that he is the, the like MVP, you know, for, for like the season. They say yeah, he's he's so solid, you know, he's dependable. I mean, obviously, you know, like COVID aside, he's he stayed stayed healthy, which is something which is something we 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 questioned, you know, at, at start start the season that, that 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 we needed him 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 healthy. Yeah, I mean, he 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 is a huge part of of like the offense. I think he needs to have to have a good series, and you know, like, I think he will. You know, if he drives 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 in a couple of home runs, then 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 I think we think we're like set set for good. Yeah, no, absolutely. For me, Coop's been. I mean, I think in spring, I remember there being a big quote out of Coop saying you know he's had a fire up his ass or whatever going on, and you know he, he felt the heat right because Aguilar's in town, Lewin Diaz is behind them. You know, yeah. Coop, you. And I say and and. I think being being able to DH, you know, guys, help helped as well. So, yeah, yeah. So the, the, the DH can can stay now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I could see Alex has politely put his hand up as well on the Zoom call. He, you got something in there, buddy? Yeah, I, I pulled the uh, the uh, the Marlin Zoom meeting. Up. Absolutely, uh, it's very old. Yeah, no, just wanted to add on Cooper though. Um, you know, being around spring training, uh, when we thought that we were going to get in, you know, a regular baseball season before everything happened, um, I will say about Garrett Cooper that a lot of people within the Marlins media room, a lot of guys that you know, Pete, a lot of guys we all know, Joe, Jordan, a lot of these guys, we, I, I was talking to them one day after a game, after uh, Mattingly came by, uh, and we were thinking, uh, by all intents and purposes, if this was going to be a regular baseball season, with the addition of Aguilar and then you had Lewin waiting in the wings, that Garrett Cooper was going to be a main guy that they looked to deal at the trade deadline. So you look at that and you look now at where the Marlins are today with Cooper, who you mentioned Pete is now actually really, really starting to heat up at a great time. Right. Um, you look at that and just, you think like, okay, this guy wasn't going to be on the team probably, you know, at the trade deadline. And now he's here still, and he's turning in such great at bats and really is a big part of the veteran leadership. I mean, it just speaks to the crazier side of the season, right? Like, everything that's happening, you know, Garrett Cooper, who we all thought was going to be gone at the trade deadline, is still here and turning in quality at bats for the Marlins. I love Coop. I think he's a great player, uh, you know, with the bat. Uh, fielding, yeah, you know, could probably used to, you know, maybe be a DH kind of type. But if he's turning in quality at bats, I have no problem him being in there at all, for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, well summarized, mate. Um, Sean, I, I think this segues nicely to what I was thinking. So Cooper Loop's heating up at the right time. For me, and I think this is maybe the most critical, in my opinion anyway, Georgie Alfaro. For me, he's really kicked on the last couple of weeks. He had a slow start, but for me, he's come up big. If we can get some serious production out of Alfaro, for me, that is absolutely ginormous for this Marlins team. What about you? What's your view on, on Georgie? So, so Alfaro, I think me and you actually discussed Alfaro pre-season. Um, and yeah, um, I'm not the biggest fan of Alfaro. Um, and I, I, know, I know you love him. Um, and bringing in Savelli and what he did for us this year, I was, I was a real big fan of him. To me, Alfaro has a point to prove. He needs to put in a performance during the playoffs, in my mind, mm -hmm. for him to lock in a starting position next year. And if he does that, then I'm all for it. Um, Alfaro's got pop to spare. We know that. He's also got speed on the bases, but he doesn't use it well. Um, the issue with Alfaro is a contact. Um, he's, he has improved. He's genuinely improved with his defense. I mean, we know he's got an arm. He's going to throw out base runners. But when you watch a game with Savelli calling the pitches, it's a different game to Alfaro. And he has improved. And, and that's, a, that's a good sign. But I honestly believe that this, this couple of series, if we get a couple of series, let's hope, is, is Alfaro's chance to shine. Otherwise, I think the Marlins have got to look elsewhere soon. It's a big series for him, no doubt. It's one area of Marlins' depth that there isn't any. System-wise, it's, it's, it's pretty thin in, from a catcher perspective. So, hey, I tell you what, there is one pending free agent that you know, maybe it's a free agency. <laughs> but you think Jeter's going to take him back? I'd be, I mean, for me, the Phillies have put themselves in a situation they have to re-sign him. They, they can't have Sixto Sanchez going bananas um, and looking like a stud and then let JT walk. They just can't, like, they're backed into a corner. They've got to pay him, and I think they will. But to answer your question, would Jeter take him back? I mean, he's, he's the best catcher in baseball. If they could make the deal, would they? I would. So, but here's the thing about Jeter. I mean, Jeter's like all about the business and he's all about the loyalty. And he's all, you know, he let Stanton go. He let Yelich go. He let Real Muto go because they weren't, they weren't buying into it. And you listen to Rojas talk last night about how he bought into Jeter's vision right away. You know, is he going to let, like, and, and VR, they, they let VR traded him away because he didn't buy into the vision. Mm. So are they going to let Real Muto come back with his head between his legs? I mean, you tell me. <laughs> I'd be surprised if he's back. I was just, uh, I guess, jokingly throwing his name out there. I, I think the Phillies re-sign him, so I think the, the conversation won't have to happen. Um, but... If he was truly available, I think there's other teams anyway that would, would outbid the Marlins and how far we'd want to go financially. So I can't see it happening. Uh, if it wasn't about the money and it wasn't, there was no other factors, would Jeter take him back? Mm, that's an interesting point because 
you know, he's a he's strong-willed is what, what I get. But And he sticks to his plan and he wants to surround himself with the right guys. And I think that's the thing that oh. you mentioned about. And you can see how that paid off. He's surrounding himself with the right guys. Absolutely. And I don't know JT as a guy, if, I, if I'm completely honest. So, you know, Alex may may know more about that of like, you know, what, what Rio Muto's like, um, you know, in and around the, the team, what type of personality he is. But um, I always thought he was... Yeah, I mean, Pete, if I could throw in, I mean, you know, I saw this guy pretty much come up. Um, humble guy, always was, still is, um, even as great of a player as he's turned out to be. He never lost sight of, of, of coming up, and he came up with, with the Marlins and loved coming up with the Marlins. I don't agree at all that he didn't buy into the Jeter vision. I just think that Jeter had a plan, and he was going to trade the stars, and he was going to buy, he was going to want to build this thing from the ground up. I definitely think that Rio Muto, if he, if we didn't trade him at the high value that we got back for him, which I'm totally fine with the trade, I would redo it right now, no problem. Um, you know, if, if we didn't trade him, he'd still be here and he'd be as bought in as any other guy on this team, including the Go Rojas. So, yeah, I, I, I really never saw a bad side of JT Real Muto, and he's a great player. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, that, that I think that was in line with, with my thinking there, so... Uh, unlikely we see him back, though, I think, as well, um, just to kind of cap off that one. Um, oh, absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Um, Vicent, um, final, final one for you as well, buddy. Um, so we've got some, some utility guys that have kind of carved out some roles now. Let's start with Monte Harrison. I mean, all of a <laughs> sudden, Monte has become... I mean, he's pretty much just a pinch runner now in, in many sense. You know, that, that's his role. But he's embraced it. And to be honest, it's hugely valuable. We saw last night, you know, Monte created that, that chaos that in the end, he somehow kind of beat out this, this tag down at, you know, home plate and third. So what, what's the thoughts on Monte? Well, I, I, one point that, that, you, that you did with Monte, and, and I think it's not only Monte because... We have Bertie, we have uh, Magnerio Sierra that before he stay in, he had the injury, is I, he was the one of the best in the team. And this type of guy that, that he runs bases, you, I think that is one case that we, have, we can uh, use with special moments like how we see with Monte yesterday. Uh, in 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 offense is is struggle and don't 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 make contact. But if we have if, if we won't make damage to the to the the opponents, we have some guys like like him that with a a single a single can run th three bases and 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 make run. And that's very good point for. Uh, a, a match that is is more um, close the the the, the score mm -hmm. and it's 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 a good point for Marlins I think not only Monte but but because uh, we have also Sierra and and it 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 may it may be the the chaos of some of some games that that the that the players stay no no hits and and we need some different we have monte and and 
they they and and he's hungry to 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 show how how amazing he is and and his powerful run and no matter he he all, he he make ten percent always. Yeah, I think the funny thing about the playoffs and this has happened year in year out uh, in in baseball in general. There will be someone or some ones that appear that we don't expect a hero that we're not expecting. For me, Monte Harrison, he's just he has the tools. He has everything there. And I feel like he could be one of the guys and we look back and go, wow, that play, that play that Monty Harrison, that hit, that home run that we didn't expect that won the game. I can certainly see that on Monte this, you know, in this run. It's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, go on, Jonathan. Yeah, it's the Alex Gonzalez from, from 2003 who not only hits the game-winning home run um, in Miami, but then produces the greatest slide ever seen in a World Series mm. um, in Game 6 in Yankee Stadium. It could well be a bit of base running, and if it is, it's probably going to be Monty. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, Eddie, if you're, I think you're still there. Hopefully so. Um, here he is. Yes. Um, Don Mattingly, manager of the year. Exclamation mark. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't even a question. It was just, I was just saying it. <laughs> How good's Donnie been this year, though, for, for everything? I mean, listen, guys, we're, we're here. We're in the playoffs. We're going to be at least 500. Oof, we had the COVID situation, 18 guys down. You know, Isan ops out, some other injuries. How has Donnie caught these guys to this stage? Uh, just, just it is who he is, right? Like he's probably one of the nicest, honest, like people in baseball, and so like he has the respect of that locker room, right? Like he never lost them when they were losing 105 games, right? And he never lost them when they had 18, you know, guys go on the COVID list. Like I think I remember watching an interview. He was talking about how, like he he had to like he was meeting up with all these new guys that were signed on, you know, to replace those guys on the COVID list. And he was meeting them for the first time and he was getting to, you know, like as soon as he went on the mound, but he was, he was able to manage all these new like people and, and new faces. Like they've been here the entire time. And it, like we, we got off to like a five, six game winning streak, right? Like with all those new guys, like that's incredible. Like if it wasn't for that stretch of games, like, we may not have finished 500, you know? So, like, and there's, like, a lot of points in times where we've had maybe a little bit of losing skids. Maybe, you know, we get blown out, but then we come back and win the next day. And it's just, like, he, he keeps every single time, whether it's, um, you know, 29 and 9 against Atlanta, you would hear him in the post game, and he's very even keel. He's, you know, he's never too high or too low on the losses. He keeps everyone focused on the task at hand which was to make the playoffs and they did it. So like, I don't think another manager could have done that if it wasn't for Donnie. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, it's the job that Donnie has done this year with this team. I, I think maybe someone asked him along the way, or maybe I asked, I think, no, do you know what? I, I, asked Glenn believe, you asked him. I believe you asked them, Peter. Yeah. Maybe I, yeah, maybe I did. I, I, it's hard to remember, but I, I was asking him, you know, really, did, did he even know who was coming out the bullpen? Like, 
did he know who the, you know he had he said he had guys coming out of the bullpen that he he didn't even know who they were and they're walking out the pitch for the, for the Marlins it was absolutely insane you know that that is the, the the situation but you know the guys fly in um turn up in the bullpen sit in there next thing is phone goes up yep you're in um Donnie doesn't know who they are <laughs> so it's absolutely incredible and we were winning games winning games the four you're right you know when you strip it back there's so many moments in this season where you point to it and you go that was a big moment pretty much every other day I'm, I'm looking at going huge moment that four game sweep of Baltimore was coming off the the COVID situation it was absolutely huge everyone was going well it's just the Orioles right the Orioles were, were, were okay this year they weren't terrible they were great against the NL East just not yeah. us Exactly. They, they, they were really tough against the NL East. But yeah, we, maybe they were looking at us thinking we should have the Marlins because they're terrible. And, and, and we kind of, I guess, beat them at their own game. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, crazy, crazy. And you know, Donnie and the, the job he did was, uh, was, was incredible. So, go on, Alex. Yeah, be jumping in with one thing there about, about Donnie. Thank you, by the way. Um, you know, Michael Hill, probably a big reason why Mattingly's still here, right? And then you see him go out and get these guys that you talk about that nobody knows about. How much of a testament is it to Michael Hill to go onto the waiver wire missing however many guys we were missing, 15, 16 guys, however many that it was we were missing, and find guys like Richard Blyer and Nick Vincent, who you mentioned, and all of these other guys that we've talked about that can come in out of a bullpen and eat innings and still contribute to winning baseball games. Michael Hill, this guy's come, another guy who's coming up on an extension. That's definitely going to be talked about. I think it's definitely going to happen. Um, Michael Hill, absolute 100% star this year. Donnie Manager of the Year. If, there, if there's going to be an executive of the year, I think executive of the year, I think it's got to be Michael Hill. Me too. I've been on Twitter all the time since called him Magic Mike. He has just been incredible. How he's, how he's pulled out these dudes from thin air, the scrap heaps. I mean, literally, I was in my, I was in my garden as soon as this was happening. I started to take some, I took, started taking some grounders just in case. Like it was getting, it was getting to that, that kind of level. So Magic Mike, oh, what a hero. Donnie managing it all. What a, what a stud. So right, guys. We're going to finish up. I want to get from you, as we'll go around the horn, the wildcard series prediction. Um, your, and to finish up from that as well, how far you think the Marlins will go. So we know we're going to play the Cubs. I think, I think we know we're going to play the Cubs. I've, I've said we're going to play them, but I'm slightly doubting myself. But anyway, let's assume we're playing the Cubs. Give me a prediction for that series. And equally, how far are the Marlins going to go this year? Are they going to go all the way? We'll start with you, Lee Dobbs, in the leadoff spot. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not certain it's the Cubs yet, but it, it does seem it almost will be, unless the Cards you know, are going to lose every game from here or here on out. So, yeah, if we say it's the Cubs, so, I mean, I'd, I'd love to, to see us win it. I mean, my heart, obviously, what we would say would win, I would... I would, I would disappoint everyone and say we'd you know, we'd lose a series two one, <laughs> two one. So we're going out the wild card for you, Lee Dobbs. Yeah. We'll move yeah, on from you. Sean Barrett. After the beers, after the come down, what we yeah, say? Yeah, we 
It, it could be the beers. It could be the confidence from making the playoffs in the first time in 17 years. We've said all year, why not us? And why not us? We've got three arms that we know that can go out and keep a game at least competitive. You know, we've got we've got guys that have been coming through with performances all year long. At the end of the day, we are officially playing with house money. Let's go out. Let's enjoy it. Let's have some fun. Win, lose. Well, we can't draw, but, you know, let's have some fun. And why not us? Let's go into each game going. Let's play our hardest. Let's win as many games as we can. And, you know, Marlins, two playoff appearances, two World Series. Let's make it free. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. There we go. There we go. Michelle, what are you saying? How can you follow that one up? So, you know, the Cubs have a score to, um, to resurrect with us because of what happened with Steve Bartman and the series in 2003. And I think they're going to come out really trying their best to win it. But I think this is no professional opinion. I think the Cubs are jinxed and I think we beat them 2-1. Oh, love it. How far do we go? Do we get through the division series after it? Well, it depends if it's the Reds or the Braves. You know, we kind of, I don't, I, I'm not making a prediction there. Let's just take this one. We'll take the one. We'll be happy with the, the wild card. I think we're going to get the wild card. Yeah. Okay, good. Have you seen much of the Cubs this year? A little. Yeah. I, a little. Seen any not, not a lot. You know, not a lot. But I have a I have a a family member who's a major Cubs fan, so I, I know a little more than from hearing than I, I do from seeing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm intrigued. I'm I'm going to do some research on them too. Uh, what about you, Jonathan? Have you have you seen any Cubs? And are we gonna are we gonna hammer them? I've not seen a single pitch of a single Cubs game yet. I've not even gone and watched the the condensed. Oh, you froze. Oh, you gone? Oh, we lost John. All right. Well, well, John's gone for now. We'll come back to him. Um, what about you, Eddie? You better, you know, has someone had any eyeballs on the Cubs? I have actually. I try to watch um, some condensed games when I can, and if um, a game is going live, I'll try to watch it. Um, I would say because a lot of their stars are struggling. Like I know Javi has like under a six hundred OPS. Anthony Rizzo's kind of struggling. Chris Bryan is out for the season, I think. Or he, at least I know he's on the IL. And I think hitting-wise, I think our pitchers can handle them. I, I, like, I, I think with, like, I'm 80% certain, like, like, Sandy Pablo and Sixto should get through that, like, lineup without giving up, you know, more than two or three runs. You know, six innings, two or three runs. I feel confident saying that. Um, they're pitching – you Darvish is is like probably gonna finish top three in Cy Young voting. He's been really good. Like he's been Rangers, you Darvish for them this season. So that kind of scares me a little bit. Um, this might be John Lester's final year, or at least with the Cubs, I I think. And he's been okay. And then Kyle Hendricks is is uh, a special pitcher. I was to say the least. I've never seen someone throw under like 90 miles an hour and still like be super efficient. So it's, it's going to be a tough series. I definitely think it goes to three games though. Yeah. And um, 
you know, I'll go Marlins. I'll go Marlins win the wild card, and they'll lose in four or five in the divisional series. I I, I feel good about you know one one series win with the with this team in year three of a rebuild. You got me worried with this when I hear about pitchers with no velocity. It's been our kryptonite all year. We just we can't hit batting practice pitches, right? You know, it's I'm well at least now. Well, at least you know Kyle Hendricks is a righty. It, it would have been a depth sensor lefty, since he was a lefty, a soft throwing lefty. Then I, I wouldn't know what we would do. No, no, absolutely. Um, Brinson literally would have to be the savior um, in in that situation for sure. Um, Rasek, what's your thoughts on this one? Uh, will you be watching the games live? And um, and what's uh, what's how do you see it going versus the Cubs? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I plan to, to watch the games live and I think I, I will go Marlins 2-1 against the Cubs uh, and then I think it will be against the Braves and I mean Braves are I mean, they, they have a great team but I think with, with this Marlins team I think anything can happen so with the Braves I will do like a 50-50 and uh, honestly I don't know what to expect about that series but I think against the Cubs uh, we have like a great chance to well, let me. I mean, we, we were talking about Arania earlier. I mean, all of a sudden, I've got thoughts, I've got visions. <laughs> Ronald Acuna, Jose Arania in a, you know one of those games. Arania hits him again. Oh, it would be it would be incredible. Twitter would go offline immediately if that happens. It would be it would be insane. Um, no doubt on that one. I mean, the Braves. For me, actually, me and the guys were talking about it last night. Um, for me, the Reds look a really dangerous package. We talk about teams getting like scorching hot coming into the playoffs. The Reds are absolutely that right now. They, they've got a rotation. They're scorching. Woo, they could be a dangerous package. I'd love to see them knock off the Bravos. Um, you know, it's the Bravos have, have been tough for us historically. So for me, if we can get through those Cubs, which I think we can, I'd love it to be the Reds, just because it's not as familiar. And I think that helps us. I think there's this Braves connection. But even so, if it was the Braves and the Orenia Acuna uh, fire was started again, would be... Would be Pete, how cool would it be to see the Marlins finally put the uh, Luis Castillo trade to bed? Oh, well, there you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. There you go. There's that other wrinkle knocking around uh, with that one. So, yeah. Great call. What about Alex? What about you, May? Seeing as you're on, um, how do you see it going with these Cubs? Have you seen much of them? Yeah, you know, I mean, from what I know, it's basically uh, from what I believe somebody else said. Uh, I think Eddie. Um, you know, they got a lot of injuries on the offensive side. Um, a lot of injuries to top players. They do have some good young players. Um, Nico Horner, uh, to name one. Um, I think what it comes down to, Pete, is 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 strength against strength and pitching against pitching. Um, if you look at the Cubs' season stats this year, they have the eighth-best team ERA and the third-best team whip. So, again, we said it. The Marlins have to get hot quick with the bats. They got to come in hot. They got to stay hot for three games. That's what it comes down to. If we can do that, I think the pitching can carry us. You know, we, we already talked about the three guys who we think will start. Sandy, Pablo, Sixto. Um, you know, past that, maybe you get Rodgers out of the bullpen. I think we also said that. So, yeah, I think we definitely have the pitching to match up with the Cubs. Um, I think we win this series based off of this one fact. The Marlins have gone through the whole season as the underdog. They've always been the underdog. We know that from past history. 
97, you know, we, we, nobody expected that. I mean, maybe we expected it a little bit, uh, you know, just based off what we bought. 2003, who expected that? This young team that comes out of nowhere, right? So, again, here we are in 2020, 17 years later, we're coming basically out of nowhere in an unprecedented circumstance, and we're going up against a team with very good recent past history in the Chicago Cubs. Um, I think the Marlins come out, and they come in hot. They continue to do what we've all known they can do this year and ride the wave. I think we ride, ride the wave through the Cubs. I think we probably get knocked out, as we've been saying, against either the Braves or the Reds. Um, you know, th those two teams, you know, they're just they're – just, where the moms may be hot, those teams are, are scorching. So I don't think we get past either one of those two teams. But I will say I think we make it past the Cubs. And whatever happens, for me personally, the season's a winner. The season's a success, period. It was a success last night. It continues to be a success. If the season ended tomorrow, it's a success. Um, so that's where I'm at with that. One more thing, Pete, I want to add before I get off with you guys today. Um, I want to thank Pete for everything that he has done this year. He has been an awesome addition to Marlins media. Uh, the team loves him. It's clear and present by Jason coming in and dropping in and dropping a kind word to all of us. Uh, he's been extreme help to me and my project personally. If you guys follow me, Pete helps me a lot. I started a podcast this year. Pete really helped me getting that live. Um, he's been a pleasure. Uh, it's always great to be on with him. Um, and I really, really, really do appreciate everything Pete this year. And uh, hopefully the winning ways continue and we can uh, continue to celebrate together. Absolutely. Absolutely, buddy. Um, always appreciate you too, mate. And uh, thanks for the kind words. Um, it's just been a wild ride, not just, listen, the Marlins has been a fun, fun story this year to cover. And I've just been riding the waves too, right? I mean, I guess Eddie's got his waves going. John's got his wave. I mean, this is full wave at the end. I mean, let's, let's just finish it up here, guys. For me, um, actually, sorry, Vicente. I didn't get you. I didn't get you, buddy. Um, before we finish up, the Marlins going through this wild card? Uh, my opinion is that the best win that we can have is all, all young players stay in, in the experience of, of postseason because uh, I think that we know that this is the, the, the first step of the, of the keep forward in the next year and stay there with with Jazz, with Monte, with uh, the the guys in the Texas squad that that they stay there, that Edward Cabrera or Jesus Sanchez and and others, this is the best win that we have. And in the series in, in itself, uh, I prefer the the teams with very good staff in the pitching in the pitching staff, because I I'm confident with our arms and I think that we can. Uh, face face him uh, and and win the 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 the, the individual uh, rivality. I, I'm more scary with Braves or Padres that they have powerful bats because th that we 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 comment our bats is not consist consistent and we I have more confidence with Sixto Pablo and Sandy and if we have to to face. Uh, the Cubs that we have, Darvish and, and, and Hendricks, I prefer because I think that it's more difficult for us uh, and f uh, uh, face the, the powerful bats. And I think we win 2-1. And, and how, say, Michel, I, I, 
Bryce, I don't want, and Reds maybe have some possibles, but I, I think that the experience that we, we can take is the best win. I'm curious. This is a question, and I know you're trying to end the podcast, and maybe this is totally irrelevant. But what impact do you think the fact of having no fans in September and October ball has had on the teams? I reckon Jonathan Furley's got the answer to that one. Uh, there's no one in the left field stands for the Cubs to reach out and knock any fly balls down. <laughs> <Okay>. Bartman. Is <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan's Wi-Fi is, is definitely not holding up. Yeah. He needs to put a pound in the meter or whatever it might be. He's, I think he's talking about Bartman in the, in the left so. field. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> it's going to, I mean, we're going to go into the bubble, right? And, um, you know, if we get through anyway in, in the wild cards, uh, you know, how, how big an advantage is home field? I think that's the question really, right? You know, there's three games for the Cubs. The, the, whole, the whole excitement of the fan thing. Although, you know, with the Marlins in 2003, like when we played the Cubs in 2003, there were more Cubs fans in our stands than there were Marlins fans for the playoffs. And when we went to Yankee Stadium in game six, I mean, it was like 70,000 screaming people up until the sixth inning when they realized that Josh Beckett was going to, you know, undo them. And then the, the whole stadium was dead quiet. So I just wonder, you know, where, you know, there's nothing like fans in September and, and playoff ball. But I, I don't know if the players really even hear them when they're doing their business. I'm sure they do. I mean, I'm sure they do. I'm sure it's pretty loud. And, uh, but equally, I, I, I'd see it. I haven't heard some of the guys talk about it. Um, it's, it's a motivator in many ways, particularly on, your, on the road. And you want to kind of, I've, I've definitely heard the term, you know, you want to, give it to them back, right? They're, they're just chirping, 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 and you want to make a good play and kind of give it to them back. I, I don't know. Mm. We'll, we'll see. I mean, it's, for me, watching on telly all year, it's looked real and authentic baseball, right? I mean, I've kind of gotten over the fact that the fans aren't there and whatever, so, you know, I've just embraced it. It's been pretty incredible. I wish I could have said to the guy who came on, it, it, the, the, the whole production is just extraordinary. That, that, the, that the announcers are there and they're, they're actually announcing off of a computer is just amazing. And, it may, and, and yet they make the whole thing feel like we're really there. And they, they deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, absolutely. You've done a great job pulling it together because I think at times we weren't certain that this season was going to get to the end. Go on, Alex. Just as a last uh, thought on uh, what Michelle's talking about, they definitely know. <laughs> they definitely feel it. You can pump in as much crowd noise as you want. These guys want to play in front of fans. That, that's, that's, what, that's what makes part of them so passionate about the game is, you know, getting that big hit and seeing the entire crowd rise to their feet. That's what they grew up doing. That's what they want to do. I mean, when they get the minor league ball, they see 200 fans and they're excited. And, you know, especially now with the Marlins and all these young players, they want to play in front of people, right? They want to play in front of these big crowds, especially in the playoffs. That's what they want to do. So I think it'll definitely be felt. Um, I think they'll, they'll definitely know, especially for guys that have been there. It's definitely going to be different. But at the same time, maybe, like Michelle said, the Marlins, Marlins are the underdog, you know. It may, you know, not, not really the most, the most popular fan base, the biggest fan base, right? So, you know, maybe it's an advantage for the Marlins that, 
you know, there's less of the adversaries fans there. So it's going to be interesting for sure. But I uh, just wanted to put that in there that they definitely feel the fans and they want to play in front. Go ahead, Eddie. Uh, I just wanted to add a couple of things. I know like we've been a much better road team this season than we've played at home. And, you know, that usually plays into like our strengths because playing at Marlins Park, the, even though the fences have been brought in, they're still, it's still very spacious. So I think like playing on the road, we could maybe see our offensive production pick up just a little bit, just cause like we're playing in, you know, windy city, Chicago, maybe the ball carries a little bit better. You know, maybe we can, maybe we can hit a couple more home runs. And um, in regards to the um, crowd noise, I think, I think overall the crowd noise is really good, but they can't quite capture those moments when like say Amante Harrison is in a rundown from between third and home and then the ball hits him in the back. Like, could you imagine the crowd reaction in Yankee stadium and they're just dead silent. They're like, what, what just happened? Like you kind of miss those moments or like when Monte steals third and Marlins fart and he's safe by, you know, a good amount, like that crowd would have been roaring, right? Like those exciting plays, you can't really replicate, you know, those that spontaneous reaction from the crowd is really, so that's kind of like missing right now yeah. from, from the, from, from a product side, but overall I still say it's a, it's a pretty good product they put out there this season with the bubble. Yeah, it's, you're right. Those, those elements, those little spontaneous things. I mean, everything's like pre-recorded, right? I guess there's just someone sat there with a computer ready to hit the right button, you know, as a good play happened, hit the button, the home run, hit the button. It's hard to have the button lined up for a rundown with Monte Harrison and it hits him in the head and you go, Oh wow. What button do I press? <laughs> How about all the heat that umpires have saved themselves this year by there being no fans? How many bad umpires have we seen, guys? How many? Terrible. Too many, right? So, how, 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 that's, what, those, that's one aspect of the game that's happy that there's no fan is Major League Baseball umpires. Huh? The, the one in New York, the both series against New York, New York Mets and the New York Yankees, I, I don't know why. Like, they're, they've both been bad for both teams. Like, strikes are called, like, three inches off the plate either side, up and down. It's just – there's no – well, there is consistency is that they're all bad, but, like, there's no consistent strike zone. No, it's – I mean, good point, Alex. It, it's, it's something that's kind of bugged everyone. Like, Twitter's been blowing up. Every game, there's just Twitter blowing up about strike zone stuff. For me, technology's there. You know, for me, umpiring balls and strikes element, it's an impossible job as a human to get it right, you know, to that degree of accuracy. They need help. That's, what, that's how I look at it. I think the technology is there. So, and you, they're so critical. Some of these balls and strike calls are so critical. They come in such big spots at times. Uh, I can think of that one in particular, the, I think it was the Rays. I think it might have been Nick Anderson even pitching maybe. That was miles outside. It was John Birdie at the back, uh, uh, plate, sorry. Um, and uh, it was miles out, but they, they called him out on strikes and that was the game over. It was literally the game over on that pitch miles outside it was you know and there's been tons of them all year so yeah I, yeah. I, I'd love to see technology help the guys out uh, yeah de definitely there needs to be an answer like that's plain and simple whether it's technology or full robotic or whatever there has to be an answer and I think after this season there probably will be yeah 
Can't they, can't they get like glasses that show them where this, I'm serious, where the, the umpires, where the strike zone is so that they could see it through the, through the things that we see when we're watching on TV? I love that. Love that idea. Mm -hmm. You've got the, cool. uh, the strike zone superimposed in, in the glasses they're wearing. I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> not a bad shout. We'll see. I, mean, I, I, I think ump umping is a really important part of the game, you know, for good and bad. And yeah. for somebody who's a traditionalist and watched baseball forever. But this year, the umps have just ruined the game for me so many times that even I want to see robotic, you know, strikes and balls. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not been it's not been great. It's just been, I guess, the weakest part of of this season in many ways. Um, other than the Phillies bullpen, which has been by far the weakest part of any, <laughs> of any yeah. part of Thank it. God. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if the Phillies had a bullpen, uh, we'd be scrapping for a wild card still, no doubt on that one. So, um, guys, I think we're just about out of time, and that's been a lot of fun. And firstly, I want to say thank you to everyone, everyone that's joined. I've met a few of you before. Some of you I've never met before. So this is just an incredible experience to come together and just talk some, some Marlins baseball. Um, we're going to, you know, for me, when I look at this season and the way things have ended, for us to seal a playoff spot on the four-year anniversary of Jose Fernandez's passing, for me, was fitting in many ways. It was... An emotional, emotional moment, but felt right for the way this season has gone. Ah, oh, R.I.P. Jose, what a stud. But, you know, this Marlins team, they keep rolling. So, guys, I'm going to run through here. Who we got on? Michelle and Mark. He's now disappeared, but Michelle, thank you. Lee Dobbs. Thank, thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. Um, Vicente, all the way from Spain. Great to talk again, buddy. Sean Barrett. The beard to be feared. Many beers have been sunk. Great to see you again, buddy. Jonathan Furley. Yeah, Third time, I think, on the pod. Is that correct? It's something like that, yeah. But it's uh, yeah. always a pleasure, Pete. Getting up there. Um, Eddie, straight from the car dealership. New new car in, in tow. Great to talk to you, buddy. Um, that was a lot of fun. Thank Alex, you so much for having me. Oh, anytime. Anytime. Alex Carver. Great to have you on, buddy. Insight is always excellent. Keep them podcasts coming, my man. Um, we've also had a Actually, no, sorry. Uh, Rasek from Mexico City in the house. Great to talk. Uh, we have also had on... Who's dropped off? We've had Dylan, who's dropped off. He had to go to the Lightning game, uh, so won't hold that against him. Have I missed anyone? Oh, apart from, of course, Jason Latimer. Just... just you know, just dropping in casually, Marlins VP of Communications and Broadcasting. So there we go, guys. That is the Marlins UK Fan Fest podcast Oof, in the books, episode 67. I will see you guys and all of the listeners in the postseason. The Marlins back after 17 years. Stay tuned for a lot of fun.